1: Welcome back to earth station trek a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on paramount plus and everywhere in between i'm charles Kelso and it's my privilege to introduce the earth station trek crew alan seiler
2: wait i get to be the first one introduced for a change you do hi
1: along with the first time this week vandy beth glenn hello
2: hi vandy beth glenn
1: <laughs> welcome to the show thank you it's great to be here now, Keith and Veronica couldn't make it this week. Keith had uh, some prior engagements and Veronica's under the weather. So we're going to continue on without him. Uh, but first with some news. Well, the
2: big news story right now, and that, that is as of the day that we're recording, but it will still be news the day that people hear this, is that the first two-parter of uh, Star Trek Prodigy is available on YouTube for those of us in North America. Right. It's geo locked, so it's not available to anyone who is who doesn't live in North America, sadly. But for those of us here, you get to see. In case you don't have Paramount Plus, so they are going to try to convince you to subscribe by showing you the first uh, one and two episodes of the new series, which mm-hmm. is a, a pretty epic. Well, you um, anyone listening to this already heard our review of it last week. So you already know how epic and amazing it is.
1: We've already described it to you. Exactly. <laughs> but seeing it may be even better than our description.
2: I don't see how that's even possible. <laughs> I mean, it was our, our description was incredibly picturesque. That's right. It painted a lovely, lovely landscape. Some people
3: will want to skip actually watching the show and just listen to your review of it. I that's mean,
2: right. we are literally doing the show a disservice <laughs> by being such excellent Trexperts.
1: Right, right, right. But well, just in so case, it's on YouTube. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, exactly. So for those who haven't seen it, get thee to YouTube and find um, Star Trek Prodigy, parts one and two. Yeah. Uh, v- excellent, excellent show. You will absolutely love it. That's right. So that's that's the only news that I have for this week.
1: OK, and then by the time this comes out Monday, I guess the um, the center seat will have debuted on the History Channel.
2: Oh, that's right.
1: That's uh, holy moly. That comes out Saturday, right? I think it's Friday the 5th. As we're recording this, it, it'll be. Is today oh, the 4th? I, I can't.
2: Today's the 4th. Yes.
1: Then it'll be the 5th.
2: Well, I can't make that. They need to change it. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I have it set up to record on Sling. Now, I was reading that I guess the first four episodes will air on the History Channel, and then the remaining six will be on History Vault.
2: Right. Which I don't know that I have access to that. So I got to figure out how to see this thing, because four (laughs) episodes is not enough. Right. But I'll tell you, with uh, four episodes of that, plus Prodigy, plus we're going to have Discovery very soon. Mm-hmm. oh my gosh so much <laughs> stuff to watch
1: yeah in two weeks we'll have two new star trek episodes two I mean, weeks for the first time since i was in high school like it was like 1998 the last time we yeah. had two star treks on the same week which is yeah phenomenal
2: two weeks that's yeah. incredible yeah so yeah that's that's the news
1: all right great and then vandy beth volunteered to do the trek history for us this week that's right,
3: since Keith couldn't do it. And uh, first, I would like to express my condolences to Keith's family <laughs> in this difficult time. And if there's anything I can do for them, let let me know. Uh, but yes, I do have some... Uh, I couldn't find a lot... For November 8th in Star Trek, um, I, I went through the air dates of all the episodes of all the shows, and uh, there seemed like they were being awfully coy with November 8th, because there are a lot of shows that, that dropped on the 7th, and a lot of shows that dropped on the 10th. But uh, very few episodes actually hit the air on November 8th. I could only find three out of the entire history of Star Trek.
2: Wow! Well, three's not bad.
3: Yeah. I, I guess not when there're 366 days to choose from. <laughs> but uh uh 1968 November 8th was the original air date of the season 3 episode 8 of the original series For the World is Hollow and I Have Touched the Sky.
1: That's a fun one. Yeah, it, it was. Is. Yeah.
3: One. One of the few episodes, as I remember it, that had a, a, a romantic interest for Dr. Dr. McCoy.
1: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And one of the best titles in Star Trek history. Definitely, I love the long, pretentious title. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's the longest title in Trek history, but it's definitely up there. Yeah, it's a contender. Uh, Deep Space Nine probably beat it mm. with one of the, the war yeah, there was a
2: couple of long ones, and Discovery's mm-hmm. done a few long ones too. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah true. Uh, and then in uh, uh, 2000, November 8th, 2000 was the original air date of uh, an episode I just saw a few days ago for the very first time, Inside Man on Star Trek Voyager, Okay, season yeah. seven, episode six, which was a Barkley a Berkeley episode. Oh, where uh, some Ferengi hijacked his hologram uh on its way to voyager and um so we had barkley but not barkley um getting up to some mischief <laughs>
2: <laughs> mm, what plans did those ferengi have for that kidnapped hologram
3: uh something about stealing seven's nano
1: nano yeah. nano nanoprobes that's
2: not oh. nearly as fun as what i was thinking
1: <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, most of the plots around that time involved Seven's nano probes. Right, it's <laughs> true.
2: Her nano probes were all the rage.
1: Right.
3: Yeah, they're going to add another subtitle to the show. It's going to be Star Trek colon Voyager colon Seven's nanoprobes. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, in on November. 8th, 2018 was the original air date air date of the episode two of the first season of the short treks. Oh, Calypso.
1: Oh, wow. Oh. Wow. That's a good one.
3: Yeah. Which, uh, was set on the, on discovery, but like hundreds and hundreds of years in the future, I, I believe it was established to be hundreds of years, even in the future of where they are now. Um, and the ship was abandoned and, uh, uh, there was a guy on board who um we didn't know um and that is a that is still out there as um like a pregnant possibility of something that might happen to discovery one day or mm-hmm. uh, maybe mm-hmm. maybe they're maybe they're riding the show toward that that episode we just don't know yet so yeah it is a it is a very mysterious um artifact that's out there mm-hmm.
0: yeah
1: yeah And that's a great little just Star Trek play, you know. You don't really have to see anything else to to enjoy it. It's just a little nice little self contained story. I love that. True,
3: Mm -hmm. very true. Um, And that's it for the episodes. Um, And uh, as for birthdays, on November eighth in nineteen fourteen, that is the birthday of Norman Lloyd, who was guest starred as uh, Picard's old archaeology professor. Oh, in the uh, Next generation episode of the Chase,
2: very nice. Wow.
3: Uh, Norman Lloyd, uh, I died like a, a year or two ago at the age of 106 or something like that. Mm-hmm. He was, wow. Uh, he had been part of Hollywood for a, a very very long time, and he worked with worked with Orson Welles, and mm-hmm. um, uh, he was he was uh, quite quite a person, quite an actor, and and it was sort of it's. It kind of thrills me that, that to know that he was part of of Star Trek.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what a great long life. I mean, that's one of those when I heard about he passed, I was like, that he was elderly when I was in elementary school. Like <laughs> exactly. What a great yeah. run. Okay, yeah. but
2: I was elderly when you were in
1: elementary school. So <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but he was really like sixty five or something, wasn't he? He made that episode. Yeah. I guess nineteen fourteen, yeah.
3: Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. Or 70s, wow. even. And then finally, in 1952, on November 8th, that is the birthday of Alfre Woodard. Oh, wow. Who actually co-starred with Norman Lloyd for a while in St. Elsewhere back in the 1980s. Hmm. Uh, and then, of course, she played Lily Sloan in Star Trek First Contact back in, in the, the 90s.
2: Yeah, she was so good in that movie. She, yeah. she's Oh, good my in, gosh. She's amazing. She's good in
3: everything, but she, was, um, she had played the crucial role of the uh, uh, audience avatar, I think, mm-hmm. in First Contact.
2: <laughs> Is that how she was billed on screen? <laughs> <laughs> no. It, it
3: was, li, Woodard as Lily Sloan, colon, seven.
1: <laughs> also, possibly the person who created Warp Drive. I think it was pretty well implied in that movie that she was the one who knew what was going on and um, <laughs> Zephyr Cochran not so much he never gave me the impression in that movie that he was uh, <laughs> right he was on top of things so <laughs> he was
2: on top of Seven's nano probes. <laughs> <laughs>
3: all right this is taking a turn
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, it sometimes does <laughs> yeah uh,
3: and that's it for Star Trek history
2: wow, oh, great. well thank you very much Well done. Thank you so much for contributing that.
1: Yeah. Thank you for allowing me to. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll take a quick break to promote a fellow ESO network podcast show. And then when we come back, we'll get into our discussion topic. So stay right there. We're the con guys coming to you straight from the nerdy heart of Hollywood, California. We are your home for news, opinions, and interviews from the world of Comic-Cons and fandoms, your ultimate insiders for all things ah! with Star Trek prodigy debuting the Janeway hologram this week, we thought it would be fun to just talk about some of the great and not so great hologram characters from Star Trek history. Did anyone have, have one they wanted to jump out with, to, to kick it off? No, <laughs> not really. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, okay. So I think the first one that comes to mind for me and, and the first one that really sort of sets the template for the others was uh, the creation of the Moriarty character in mm-hmm. next gen as the foil for data's uh, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Which the two episodes that he appear in are, are two of my absolute favorite early TNG episodes. And mm-hmm. the actor of course is mostly known as the Butler on the nanny,
0: <laughs>
2: which I love. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a, it's such, I mean, it's a different role. It's so, it's much darker, much more, you know, I mean, I can't say more. Um,
3: you're saying, you're saying his role as the butler on the nanny was much darker than.
2: Much darker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the lightheartedness of his Moriarty. Right. <laughs> Watch out, <Cece. laughs> Well,
1: Yeah. He, he was really the first great hologram character. Yeah. They, they tried to act like Minuet was, but Minuet was just a non-character. And they acted like she was so mind-blowingly realistic, and Ooh. Uh, she, Min- all she Minuet did was hang was, out at the bar. You know, she didn't she, do anything. That was dumb and useless.
2: Yes. But, I disagree. Okay. Okay. I
3: I liked Minuet very much, and and I think uh, I I think Moriarty um, was not a great character because mm-hmm. it it sort of went beyond what I think. Uh, holograms should be capable of mm-hmm. in a way that, that they didn't really explain. Sure. I mean, yeah. you, you can't, you can't create a, a, a basically a, a living creature just by telling the, telling the computer that you need one.
1: And that's, <laughs> and that's basically what happened in that episode. You would think there'd be some sort of safety protocol in place to prevent the creation of sentient life. By well, yes.
3: Well, that, and, and that, gets into the whole thing of why aren't safety protocols hardwired into the system so that you can't disable them but that's yeah. a that's yeah. a completely different t- that's yeah. a di- different very long discussion <laughs>
1: yeah moriarty had the ability to reach uh, his powers beyond the holodeck and and affect the ship itself uh which is terrifying
2: it certainly was yes for them yes yeah since this is your topic what was the first one that you thought of
1: well moriarty
2: Okay. It springs to mind immediately. The doctor. It all of course, begins there. Because, of, well, yeah. I mean, the because doctor. Because we had seven years sort of, a, of him. Yeah, the
1: quintessential right. hologram character. Um, and I, I thought the doctor is one of the best characters on Voyager. Um, Robert Picardo is always great, he's always entertaining um, and he really took that character farther than I would have expected him to. You know, from in the beginning of the show when he couldn't, he basically he was just grumpy and couldn't leave the sick bay. Right, and then they took him in some wild directions over the course of the show, Probably mostly because anything you throw at Picardo, he can he can handle. You know, comedy or opera or or <laughs> or, 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 or drama, like we saw in uh, real life when he had a uh, dealing yeah. with you know his holographic family. Uh huh. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I think it's hard to top the Doctor.
2: I think the nice comparison between those two is that with the Doctor, you you do see. The way that he evolves because you have time to see it over mm-hmm. the seven year period where he's really just a, an an avatar that fills the position on the ship and then becomes something beyond his programming where he right. develops a personality and he develops affections for his crew members and, mm-hmm. a, and a, a life and an adventurous spirit and mm-hmm. gets hero moments. And, you know, with Moriarty, only two appearances, you sort of lose it happens too fast. It, it's almost like it's it's programmed into him to be that, yeah. Rather than being able to see the way that a program can evolve, the way that you saw it with the EMH.
1: Sure. But right. I mean, I, with Moriarty, I like that he sort of became sentient and just yeah. suddenly, you know, this fictional character suddenly became aware of of, of more than he really should have been. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. And I, and I like the effect of the characters, you know, holy crap moments when he's calling for the arch <laughs> and he's drawing a picture of the enterprise and they're like, this is creepy. This should not be happening, uh, which I, I, I think is fun, you know? hmm. Yeah.
2: All right, Vandy Beth. What's your what's your first thing to mind?
3: Well, I was actually going to say <laughs> minuet until you <laughs> ah,
2: until, until we crapped all over that. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> well, why, why do you like Minuet?
3: I, I like, I like Minuet because, um, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, it, if you take the basic idea of, of holograms in Star Trek and you run with that concept mm-hmm. and, and don't pretend that there's more to it than that, then you can have a character like Minuet who appears to be well-rounded, um, mm-hmm. and who, who, uh, is, is, can be seductive and can, can, you know, um, uh affect a real person um uh enough to to draw Riker's eye um mm. not that not that that's all that difficult <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and she was able uh, to pick up on Picard's french accent
3: exactly <laughs> right yeah. um but there was never any pretense there was never any pretense that there was anything more to her than mm. being simply a um uh a, a holographic uh, character, a, a construct. I mean, it's right, like, right. you know, it's like being impressed by a character in uh, in a video game that you're playing mm-hmm. uh, that that is yeah. particularly particularly well drawn. It's not that yeah. you're mis- mistaking them for a real person, sure, but you can still be impressed by the craft work.
1: Okay, yeah,
3: which is different from being impressed by the German band craft work, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but not much different.
3: Not much different,
2: <laughs> since they do use holograms. <laughs> but that makes me think of another example of where we got a, a really nice comparison between the holographic representation of someone and the actual someone, and that was Leah Brahms,
0: mm.
2: where um, right. Jordy, Jordy, you know, has the computer. Make a make a give me give me a holographic sex doll of Leah Brahms constructed from her personal logs, which I don't see how he has access to, <laughs> and um, her technical journals, and you know all these other things, and it comes up with this image of a person that is completely different than what the actuality is. And I re- I thought that was really really nicely done, and I thought it was a it was mm-hmm. such an an interesting lesson in no matter how accurate you can get these things, it's never the real thing.
3: True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I guess Jordy was just lucky that it wasn't a, a matter of public record that the real Leo Brahms was smart enough to defeat Data. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> that, that also went a bit into the, the privacy violation of being able oh, to yeah. create realistic yeah. people on the holodeck.
2: Right, which we get into, um, you know, a little bit of territory with uh, Dwight Schultz's character.
0: Yeah. Barkley. You know,
2: where he's, you know, and I, and I love that first, that first Barkley episode where he, I mean, he's a, he's a shaky character at best and then recreates <laughs> these people in ways that he is comfortable you know, interacting with hmm. when they intimidate him in real life. And I think that's really fascinating. And, and the fact that he gets more and more sucked into his fantasy world hmm. is, is fascinating. How did he get in Starfleet in the first place? <laughs> I mean, I know he's incredibly smart and stuff, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, he doesn't seem to have the, the psychological profile you would need to be a Starfleet officer.
3: Uh, well speaking as a navy veteran i i knew people like that in officer okay. candidate school there were usually usually there were nuclear power candidates which if that makes your blood run cold it should but there were a lot of people who got into OCS um who had 4.0 gpas and who were were brilliant at all the math and all the science and all the mm. engineering. Um, but they had just had zero social skills. Mm. And yeah. and some of those people managed to make it through the program. So yeah, I, I found it very, very credible that somebody like Barclay could find mm. him find himself where he was, um mm. and, and yet be completely ill equipped for dealing with any of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, I guess too, Starfleet would have a different view on that sort of thing. We see later in lower decks that you can have a training program where all of your shipmates are yeah, in, in compromising situations <laughs> as part of your training. <laughs>
2: so, okay, you know, we were talking about Moriarty, and that was the first thing that came to my mind when we talked, when we, you know, named this topic. But now that I think about it, I think really the first holodeck true holodeck story that we got was dixon hill right
1: yeah Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. so moriarty was in season two dixon hill so Mm. that was our first sense of what a holodeck could do you know in in like we saw it in encounter and firepoint but this was the first time we really saw it create a world and populate that world and present a story that our characters could interact with Mm. and i absolutely love that episode um, yeah. The secretary, the, the thugs, everything. I just absolutely loved it. The dialogue was so well written.
1: And yeah, I forget the gangster's name, but I love that old actor that plays the gangster. Yeah. La-
3: Lawrence Tierney.
1: Mm. Yeah. They, yeah, that, that episode was great. The, the, I guess the, the, the one that leaps out to me most as a character, I guess, would be the bartender. The mm. bartender. In the Dixon Hill one. Is that the one? Are we talking oh. about the one with Loxana Troy? Or are we, am I thinking of a different?
2: No. Well, the, the first one was when uh, Picard is going to, you know, have his like mystery. I'm a, I'm a PI, you know, mm-hmm. and Crusher is going to go in and grill right. him like a fish, you know. Yeah. No Loxana.
1: Okay. I'm conflating two episodes then.
2: How dare you?
3: <laughs> I know. There, there were, <laughs> there were multiple Dixon Hill episodes. There were. Though. Yes.
2: Yeah. The first one is this one that I'm mm-hmm. thinking of. I never enjoyed them too much beyond that Hmm. that never really kind of captured the because i think that one was sort of like really close to the end of t and of season one Mm -hmm. and you know season one had sort of a rocky path and i think that's really the first one that solidified in a way that was a, a successful episode and showed you what tng could be yeah loved it
1: yeah i never really bought picard as a dixon hill guy (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that, that he would spend his time reading forties mystery novels. You know, oh man,
3: yeah, that's a good point.
1: What? Everybody has has some trashy fiction that they
2: <laughs> like to devote themselves to a, a little bit every now and then,
3: right? Well, it, I think I think that they established with the holodeck with that episode that that the holodeck was a way for them to 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 tell stories that weren't necessarily in the science fiction genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and they uh, exactly, and that's how you know that's how Wharf became an Old West hero. <laughs> right,
1: right. This well, is the equivalent of the the parallel Earth stories from the original series, where you, what do we, yeah. what costumes do we have, and what sets do we have access to that we can go, ha- Ex- you know, have a cheap location.
2: Exactly right. right. Where the conceit was, here's yet another planet that has based their society on some weird aspect of human right. history. Whereas on, you know, <laughs> modern Star Trek, you can just program a holodeck.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah.
2: there, there are successful ones and not so successful ones, and I think Voyager had one of each. Um, the one that I really enjoyed was uh, Leonardo da Vinci, where Janeway would come in and work in his workshop and you know talk to him, and yeah, you know, I, I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah. The the awful one was that stupid. Irish community, Fairhaven thing. Oh, I hated that.
3: Yes,
2: (laughs) that was so awful.
3: That was that was the the Voyager writers declaring to the world how much they hate Irish
1: people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it, it, it comes off like a romance novel. It does. Yes, very much so.
3: But I thought you were going to name not Fairhaven, but. Uh, the much earlier holodeck episodes where Janeway was a, a governess in, uh, Oh, that's some... <laughs>
2: right! <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah. Those a, were
3: Victorian Manor House and like a, right. yeah. I don't know, a, a, maybe some sort of a Bronte Sisters pastiche? I'm yeah. I'm not sure, but
2: um, hmm. yeah. Yeah, those weren't great either.
3: That was the Voyager writers saying they hate their audience. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but no, I... I on DS9, I did really like um uh, Vic's. I like Vic tell you, Fontaine, and I like most of the episodes that take place there, especially, you know, mm-hmm. I mean you've got it's only a paper moon, which is sort of yeah. A, it, that's one of
3: my very favorite episodes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant.
2: Mm-hmm. I did not like Vic. You didn't like Vic at, Fontaine? At the time, no. Okay. Every time one came around, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> it's that guy again.
3: But you but changed
2: I, I, I you did change yeah. your mind. Well, because there there were some episodes that really sold me, one of them being Paper Moon. Yeah, And also, you know, toward the end and then certainly in rewatches, I, I, I did sort of gain an affection for that character. And I do like him a lot now. I didn't mm. at the time. I was just like, oh, why do we have to have
1: this again? I like that they never seem to worry too much about how sentient Vic was. You know, True. You, you get a yeah. little of it in Paper Moon where he's all of a sudden he's on all the time. So he has a life. Aside from right just entertaining, he's can play cards and, and hang out at his apartment and that kind of thing. But there was never, not that I recall every big crisis of, am I alive? Am I not alive? He's just happy to swing in the holodeck <laughs> 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 or all suite sweet. I should say my, my bad. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. But, but then we've got some, some a, a surprising number of holographic characters from the new shows. Like badgy.
2: Badgy. Yes. <laughs> The greatest character in Trek history. I
1: love Badgy. <laughs> oh
3: my gosh, I love Badgy too.
1: <laughs> it's just uh, to me a, a great use of the animation format of just using the animation to put a twist on something from Star Trek because we've seen yeah. plenty of evil holode- holographic characters before, but um, <laughs> making him uh, essentially the Clippy of Starfleet. Oh my gosh, great. and so brilliant. very murderous, very murderous. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Oh God!
2: So good. Yeah. I, I love
3: the. What I love most is that when Badgie himself was injured, I, I, I think somebody somebody stabbed him, and it, <laughs> we discovered that he actually had internal organs
1: and vis, viscera and yeah. blood. Uh, apparently, a neck you can snap, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Somehow,
3: <laughs> like, why would you program all of that? <laughs>
1: Rutherford is very detailed.
3: <laughs> he, didn't just, he didn't just happen to have those things. Rutherford programmed him to have those things.
1: <laughs> I was a little surprised we didn't get any kind of re- reappearance of Badgie in season two. He's, he's, so was I. Um, I
2: thought, sure, we would get Badgie.
1: Yeah. But he's got to come back at some point, surely.
2: Oh, my, he has to.
1: Because people love Badgie.
2: And don't call me Shirley.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> then over on Picard, um, you have Rios' little gaggle of holograms.
2: That's right. Yes. That,
1: you know, give I didn't. I don't remember his name off the top of my head either. But gives him a great opportunity to do different accents and. Oh my characters. gosh, he's <laughs> he
2: is he was like the the unexpected star of that show.
3: Yeah, Santiago, I think is yeah. Santiago Cabrera. There we go. Yeah. yeah, that's
2: it. Man, he was so good.
1: Yeah, and I, I love the mm-hmm. I love that they all look like him, and yeah, just with wild accents. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and a different hairstyle right but then
1: he <laughs> they're basically turning into therapy mm-hmm. the right uh which is fun i think it's 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 a it's a cool way to sort of get into that character a little bit that he's just spends his time on his ship yelling at himself <laughs>
3: <laughs> i hadn't thought about it that way that does tell us a lot about him doesn't yep. it
1: doesn't it though <laughs> All and right. Then, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I was just going to mention Eli real quick from Discovery season 3, the holographic life
2: detector. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about uh, him.
1: Whoa. I didn't think about him either. Had a cute little bow tie. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> that
3: is that is the truth.
1: Yeah. It wasn't much character to him, but he's kind of fun. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He served a purpose. Yeah. Okay, greatest
2: holodeck um environment Storyline, uh, whatever you want to call it, ever, and and I'm saying this only because I take any, any opportunity I can to bring it up. Doctor Chaotica,
0: yeah, the
2: Bride of Chaotica, <laughs> yeah, love it. That is probably my favorite <laughs> thing that Voyager ever did.
1: Ever that, that that's a ever. hard
3: one to okay. That's a hard one to refute.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I love the robot. That robot cracks me up.
2: Absolutely. He's the best part of the whole thing.
1: <laughs> warning,
2: warning, invaders. And then and then Tuvok backsands of warning. <laughs> invaders. <laughs> that's just that's just good writing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would I would like for that robot to become a character. Oh,
2: well, mm. when they do the Bride of Chaotica spinoff, then he has to be in it.
1: I hope so. They're still out there campaigning for Captain Proton, in the series. It's got to happen in some way. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. All well, right. did we, did we hmm. leave anybody out?
2: That's what I'm tr- I am was just about to say. Is there anybody we haven't thought of
1: You had A couple from the original series Landrew, in a sense, and Locira, uh, hmm. Mary Weather, who her holograms, she's really the first 3D hologram that interacted yeah. with people and, you know, True. basically just killed them or <laughs> tried.
3: <laughs> Is that is that the episode where she was walking up to people saying, I am for you. That's the and one. Then, yep. Ah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't I haven't realize that in a long time. I didn't yeah. realize she was holographic.
1: Yeah. No, I don't know if they use the term holographic. They may have said she's a projection. But yeah. you know, it was nineteen sixties version of a, of a, of a holographic <laughs> character.
2: So I guess that's 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 the holographic population of Star Trek.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> All right, well, uh, do we do We want any more thoughts on that, or we want to move on?
2: I'm
3: trying to think of anything important that we may have left out. There was the planet of the holograms in Deep Space yeah. Nine, but
2: oh yeah,
3: the less said about that, yeah. the better.
1: And uh, correct. And Rene Abergenois had his little family of holograms on this ship, an oasis. No, on on Enterprise. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, oh, that one! I was yes. like, what? <laughs> what are you yeah, talking about? Yeah, yeah, about? you're right. Well, yeah. I thought we were. T- I thought we were still talking about Odo, <laughs> and I was like, I don't remember that episode. <laughs> but yes, 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 you're right. On yeah, Enterprise. but as far
1: as major, like, memorable characters, yeah, we were there there that you just hated? Most of them. Most? You don't like holographic characters? Uh, well, again,
3: uh, um, you know, I think I think Minuet was came from the right place mm. uh, intellectually. Yeah, and I think very few of the other. Of the other holographic characters, that has been true of mm. um, they, they make them sentient where they where they sh- where they shouldn't be or wherever there there's no good reason to believe that they they really would be. Um, <laughs> also, that there, there seems to be a, a, a disconnect in the world of Star Trek between uh, AIs generally and holograms. They, they don't seem to understand that holograms are also AIs. Um, no. Particularly, I'm thinking about the first season of Star Trek: Picard, where mm. um, where synths have been outlawed, but they still allow holograms, and right, holograms are are essentially the same thing. They're just they just have a, a different wrapper, mm. uh, right, so to speak. Yeah, and, and and that doesn't that doesn't make any sense at all. Well, it could in part
1: point. be because. You know, like a, an AI can operate or a, or a synth can operate independently, where you would imagine a hologram would be confined mm. to a holographic matrix. True. So you'd think they be a little easier to turn off anyway. But yeah, I mean, that depends, I guess, on if you've got holographic matrices everywhere, maybe it doesn't matter. You know, true. Right. <laughs> or go wherever they want.
2: Or then you invent a mobile emitter and then. True.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or over what distance can a hologram be projected?
2: Yeah. True. You know? Exactly.
1: Six so. feet. Six feet, that's it. Hard, hard limit. Hard limit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there, but there does also seem to be a difference uh, or varying degrees of sentience among holograms. You know, some holograms, you know, you walk up in your street clothes in a holodeck and they don't notice any difference. And then some, like the doctor, seem to be fully fleshed out people. And Well, I guess it's a difference
2: of ordering them from Amazon or ordering them from Wish.
1: <laughs> well, it literally is just a difference of telling the computer to make a sentient. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but basically, yeah. So uh, along those lines, and this is something that we haven't really gotten to on the show yet, but we have the, the whole thing of uh, the AI on Discovery, which takes on the entire ship, basically takes on full sentence, mm-hmm. which I still assume comes from Arium uploading all of her memories into the ship's computers mixed with the sphere data. It's all going to come into this big Personality.
1: I, I'm, it, I, it could. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that we've seen any evidence of Arium, at least in season three. Uh, it well, seems we the implication see, seem to be that the sphere data is causing it.
2: Sure. But what's the sphere data going to base it on? I don't know. Arium's, Arium's personality that okay. she downloaded all of her memories and
1: yeah, could be.
2: interactions. And yeah.
1: I hope they're right about to be that. Alive. I what? would like for Arium to have some purpose. Like, Right. I would like for that to. I don't want to get on a tangent. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no, I didn't like. I, I, I was a lot about the handling of Arium. Oh I'll well, we can yeah. we can do an episode about that. Yeah, yeah. So
2: yeah, I'm with you.
3: But speaking of, speaking of Discovery, uh, there was of course that whole episode set on the on the, the Kelpian ship. Mm. It was all holograms. That's right.
2: Right. That's true. Good and catch near the, yeah.
3: near the end of season three of Discovery, and yes. that that. Episode. It was the first time that the rest of the crew were able were able to see what's his name Gray yeah. Adira's boyfriend. That's right. Yeah. Um, And at, you you will call it near the end of that episode, Doctor Culber promised Gray that they would find a way to let everybody be able to see him and interact mm-hmm. with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if in season four the they're going to find some way to. You know, put like maybe maybe put an interface or something, uh, mm-hmm. some sort of implant in Adira's head that that will um, allow them to pull Gray out and and embody him as a hologram of some
1: sort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm certain. Yeah, they. I think they they pretty much just said they're going to that uh, Gray yeah. is going to be flesh and blood well, or uh, in some, and I in, think in they the scene, they did talk
2: about that on Star Trek Day, didn't they? Yeah. 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 The thing. The thing that I missed.
1: Yeah, because I think they got a lot of grief from from Gray being immediately murdered as part of a deer's backstory. That they've mm-hmm. said that I think they're they're similar to what they did with Culber in season two. That they're they're gonna they're gonna turn that around and and make Gray yeah. a three dimensional character on the show, which I look forward to because I thought Gray was great, and I and I, I, and I love his interactions with the deer. I think those two are, are great together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
3: Or maybe, maybe they'll bring Gray to life um, by putting his consciousness inside the, the robot from uh, Chaotica.
2: <laughs> <laughs> One could only hope. That, <laughs> the best possible scenario. Right,
1: right. <laughs> well, there's all kind of weird trill magic, so they can really just make up whatever they want and, yeah, that's and true. bring Gray back.
2: Yeah, or they could use Seven of Nines nanotechnology.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's still around.
2: It's still there <laughs> <That's right>. somewhere.
1: <laughs> All right. Do we have any more, any more thoughts about the holograms before we move on to our prodigy discussion? Me either. Nope. Yeah. yeah. All right. Then we'll take a quick break for a, a message from the ESO network. And then when we come back, we'll be talking about the third episode of Star Trek Prodigy season one. So stay right there.
2: How did watchdog groups with no experience in television take a controlling interest on Saturday morning television? When did Wonder Woman make her animated debut? Want to know why there were two competing Ghostbuster shows? How Atari changed the Saturday morning landscape? How did networks compete over similar genres at the same time? Find out all of this and more on the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. A proud member of the ESO Network.
1: Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, Episode 3, Starstruck aired today as we're recording this, um, which introduced, well, really gave us our first interactions with Hologram Janeway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did everybody see it? yes (laughs)
2: yes <laughs> are you asking the audience or are you asking us? yeah i'm gonna wait for the audience <laughs> to answer so <laughs> you guys just sit right there We're just gonna sit around for a couple of days that's right um,
1: i thought i thought it was fun there wasn't a whole lot of story this week it was just sort of hanging around on the ship and almost falling in a black hole or some kind of i'm, including dwarfs, I'm, yeah. s- I'm yeah. sorry
3: if that's not enough story for you <laughs> charles
1: well i'm used to the lower decks episodes that just pack right. in stuff pack it yep. yeah yeah yeah, this was
2: really the uh, you know the 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 crew gets to know each other. They get to know their ship. They get to learn what the Federation is. Mm-hmm. They get used to Janeway. I mean, so there wasn't like a, a a high like plot right kind of episode, but it was a lot of necessary ground laying.
1: Mm-hmm. We got to see a little yeah. more of the ship as well. Yep, and um, yeah, got to got to spend a little time talking to Janeway. Um, now, do you guys think hologram Janeway is? sentient and doesn't realize these guys aren't cadets or do you think she's playing along not this again (laughs) (laughs) not this again what we just finished talking about the sent the possible
3: sentience (laughs) of (laughs)
1: holograms i'm just curious because either she's just clueless and just helping anybody who walks onto the ship which seems like a pretty big security issue or she's she's she understands what these kids are and she's just letting them think that she's not hip to what they are
2: I don't know. I don't think that she's sentient in in that sense. I think that she is a a complex program that can react to and uh, modify itself to whatever input it gets. Hmm. Does that make it sentient? Hmm. I don't know. But
1: so do you think if anybody could just walk on this ship and she says, hello, cadet, here's how you access the ship?
2: Um, Well, that's a good point. Okay, I, so she is sentient and she's playing along. I've changed my mind. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> You've convinced me. Because it seems like if the, the, the diviner and his general right. grievous could just walk in there and she would say, welcome <laughs> aboard, cadet. This is the button that goes to warp. Here's the phasers.
2: Right. That's a good point. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> it's right. Like a, a pretty serious security flaw. <laughs> but Okay, but so why is she doing it with these kids? I don't, maybe she realizes they're kids. They're on the well, run. They seem okay. But I, I don't know. Sure. But why would you give them the keys to the most powerful car on the highway?
1: Yeah. With- it doesn't, it doesn't seem like she has the ability to just set a course for Federation space and say, all right, kids, hang on. We're going for help or send a message out. You think if, if, if I, if I was, if there was an AI that could control the ship, you think she would say, okay, yeah. you, you kids, all of you walk into the brig and I'm going to turn it on. And then we're going to fly <laughs> and find Chakotay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> right? I would, pay,
3: I would pay good money to say <laughs> See that
1: either that or she's just a very trusting, almost like one of those holodeck characters who doesn't realize that you're wearing a Starfleet uniform and acts like you're the Lord Byron or whomever.
2: <laughs> Lord Byron,
1: no, whomever.
3: One's ever, <laughs> no one has ever acted like I'm Lord Byron. <laughs>
2: Well, they should.
3: Now now I feel like a a serious lack in my life. Um, I don't think she's sentient, but I I do think she probably knows what's going on or suspects Mm. or is going to... there is going to be a, a revelation sometime this season, where everything everything comes out in the open, um, yeah. and all the characters, the, all the characters and Janeway are going to make make their peace with working together.
1: Hmm. Okay, um, but I
3: don't. I think that will be toward the end of the of the first season that that happens.
1: That would make sense.
2: So the real question is, where is this show going to go beyond the first season? Yeah, with Chakotay after them with his Federation. Cronies, and with uh, Gwen's father after them, are they? It's, it's just going to be a series where they're constantly on the run.
1: Hmm. Yeah, uh, these well, kids well, just hot rodding around in this starship for X which X I mean, X I'm fine with that.
3: What I'm, is I'm, this? I'm, I don't know this about uh, Chakotay. I,
2: oh well, I, okay. Well, let me tell you, there's this great show called Earth Station Trek that you should listen to because we have talked about that. <laughs> I don't know if
1: great is the best descriptor. <laughs> I'll give it 3 of 5.
3: <laughs> I mean it's um, great it's great this week. Yes, that's well, true. Well,
2: tr- clearly. Yes. Clearly. Yes.
3: But I I mean no, seriously. I listened to the show. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't I don't remember you I don't remember you saying what what chakotay is going to be doing in, in this in the show and i haven't read any of the well we don't know exactly stories. we're just
2: mm-hmm. speculating yeah that he's mm-hmm. with a starfleet crew and they're trying to track down this ship this experimental ship that apparently got away from everybody um because we now know in this episode that it has two warp drives and it has a third whatever this thing is yeah. above mm-hmm. the two warp drives so clearly an experimental propulsion system that's gotten it much farther much faster than they expected it to i think mm. it's i think it's a runaway ship i think it's an accident of of a of a test of a trial and that's how it's ended up where it's ended up and janeway is equipped on the ship Chicote again just like janeway knows the delta quadrant and mm-hmm. that's why he is sent to find this thing so yeah yeah
1: but no, with, with as little as we know, it could also be that Chicote was the captain of this ship at some point. And
2: that's very possible as
1: lost track of it,
2: you know. That's very possible. Um,
1: so I don't know. We 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 expect to have Captain Chicote to show up at some point, but you're right. I mean, these kids flying around in the ship, you would expect can go on so long. Once they make contact with the Federation, how do they stay on the ship? You know, like right. what is the story from there going forward? So I'm, I'll be mm-hmm. interested to see what, f- how that turns mm-hmm. out.
2: I guess at that point they get a, a Starfleet crew and they get made actual ensigns, but then it's just lower deck, so never mind. That's yeah. that's not a good yeah. yeah,
3: that that would be that would be terrible.
1: Yeah, <laughs> or you could end up in a valiant situation where they all declare right. themselves to be in Starfleet and give that's themselves field promotions. That's <laughs> true. Captain Doll or Daryl Dahl R L. <laughs> <laughs> or they Chief could de- called him Daryl. Now I can't stop thinking Daryl. <laughs> right.
3: They could call themselves. They could des- declare themselves Starfleet, and then and then start behaving like Starfleet, but like their misunderstanding of Starfleet. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Uh, so it's like a like a game of uh, like a game of telephone, where uh, <laughs> someone in Starfleet told someone else what Starfleet is like, and then that person told someone else, and then that person. <sighs> finally told the kids on the protostar. So they're doing, everything, <laughs> they're doing everything wrong and they don't realize it. Like the prime directive means to give every civilization a souffle or something like that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and on that note, we did get a, a pretty nice summation of what the Federation is b- yeah. uh, from Janeway to these kids mm-hmm. and, and the role that Starfleet plays in it, which I really enjoyed. What did you think of that part?
1: I liked it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Okay, I, I like the little cartoon of Spock and um oh
2: yeah, and the end ships.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that reminded me of that scene in yesteryear when when Spock was in and and he was doing the Love Long and Prosper sign to him. Yeah. Um, which is if that's what they were going for, that's fitting, you know, referencing back to the animated series. But yeah, I, I liked it and I like I like Jane Way's attitude towards the kids. Um yeah. now what we've seen of the protostars so far. I mean, Zero speculated that it have a, a, need a crew of about 20, which seems mm. like all of them except the captain live in barracks and the captain has a giant suite. Right. <laughs> yeah. Based on what we've seen thus far. Um, but then we also saw uh, a vehicle replicator. That was unexpected,
2: but yeah. really cool.
3: <laughs> the, the vehicle replicator... I thought it was obviously uh, the franchise's response to people complained about the shuttlecraft Kleenex box
1: back in the right back in the right. Voyager days.
2: Exactly. Yeah,
1: it, it's a concept I like. I don't know that I care for the Westworld-style giant 3D printer arms and all that. I really, I, that's becoming a, a pet peeve of mine across new Star Trek is turning the replicators into futuristic 3D printers instead yes. of a variation on the transporter, where you have stored mm-hmm. patterns and you basically beam them in. Where on Picard, they had literal 3D, like modern day 3D printers that they were using as replicators. Right. And then, you know, here you've got the big replicator arms, which I mean, it was a, a cool place to have a fight, even though we didn't really even get to see the shuttle when it was done. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> true.
2: That is disappointing.
1: But I did enjoy, you know, Rock Tack having to be the muscle and not wanting to be, you know, that that's just this eight year old girl is, yeah. is the muscle on the crew and she has to go beat people up <laughs> whether <laughs> she wants to or not. <laughs>
3: Well, i I like the i like the idea of the, having the the fight within the matrix of the yep. of the the yeah. shuttlecraft as it's being built. And my yep. hope, my hope, which which may turn out to be uh, uh, realized, is that uh, the vehicle replicator is now broken, so they can't make anything more, <laughs> and <laughs> and and so the shuttlecraft that they do have is all. Janky and and <laughs> distorted because, because they were fighting while it was being built.
1: Right. You know, my expectation is that this thing will spit out whatever cool vehicle they need that week.
2: Well, exactly. And I kept thinking of uh, Voyager and Paris building a Delta flyer. And if he had had this thing, he would have never gotten around to building a Delta flyer because it was, you know, basically like a patchwork job that he did himself. And there's no need for that. I mean, uh, except for to take up a lot of time and to do something cool.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, but if, I mean, if I, Paris had had one of those, he would he, he would have made a 66 Mustang. <laughs> That's true. <too>. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. The episode, I, I, I liked it. Like I said, not, not a whole lot happened. As
2: part of Janeway's uh, lesson on what the Federation is. Um, and we got the, the cool little like parade of images of Vulcans and Andorians and all this kind of stuff. We also got a really cool um, look at various starships and mm. we saw Voyager and we saw uh, um, a, a few other ones and the Enterprise C and, and a couple of other cool things. And I don't know if it was Discovery or not, but we saw a cross field. Yeah. Which was really interesting. Mm hmm. I mean, obviously, they're going to put a Crossfield in because it's the sister show of the one that we're watching at the moment. Um, but we don't know, A, how many Crossfields were ever built. We know right. of Discovery and the Glen, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. both of them were reported destroyed, and one of them has been classified. Mm-hmm. At least its mission and its crew have been classified. So, you know, there could well be other Crossfield ships out there, and that's just a picture of one of them.
1: True. Now, technically, yeah. the um, that Ralph McQuarrie study model from that's uh, yes the 70s was in um, the best of both worlds battle. Yes, because it was one of the derelict hmm. ships. So you could argue that there's you know that's right evidence of Crossfield class ships you know in Starfleet history.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I, I enjoyed that. I, I love you know I love ships, mm-hmm. and I love seeing some of these other ones that you know you wouldn't have expected to see like um, like the Enterprise C was really neat and mm-hmm. you know things like
1: mm-hmm. that. Yeah, absolutely.
2: It's funny, too, that they're going to a, you know, let me help you set a course. We can set our own course. We're going to go to this one point on this map that's illuminated in red. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> I'm going to go to this giant flashing red spot on the map.
2: What the heck?
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought it was Mars. <laughs> mm. Yep. Nope. It was. What, what was it? A uh, exploding star? I forgot already. Yeah. Okay.
3: It was. Uh, it was a white dwarf
1: eating yep. a red giant. Mm. Okay. Not somewhere you want to go. As opposed to Murph eating a chair. <laughs> yes. And again, we got Murph being the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> you know, they keep <laughs> well. That's not that hard. Murph is smarter than than you might expect. And, mm-hmm. you know, last last week, he jumped on the console and fired the phasers. Mm-hmm. And this week, he showed him which way starboard was. Right, right. So, oh, there's more to yeah. Murph, I think. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And I'm Murph looking forward great. to finding out what and who he is.
2: Yeah. Oh Well, we know
3: what he is. It's right there in the name. He's Irish. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> Only if Murph is spelled with a PH and not an F, right?
1: Well, it's a nickname. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> they just need to reunite him with the, the Irish planet from next year. <laughs> Exactly. Right. <laughs> Alan loves that one. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did Anyone have any closing thoughts about uh, Starstruck?
2: It was good. Yeah. Uh, I- I'm looking forward to more story. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. next week, we need to really get rolling on, on what's actually happening on this show.
1: That's right. And like we're, at least give us clues about where the ship came from and right. what's going on. Why right. are their alpha and delta quadrant species m- and matched? You right. know, like what what's going on?
2: What what was the diviner's purpose in uh for uh zero? Because right. mm-hmm. we know that there was some particular thing that they had zero for. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's so much stuff.
3: Yeah. What does what does Nutri-Goop taste like? <laughs> <laughs> it looks pretty
2: good actually.
3: It does look it does look good. I didn't I'm think sure it, it tastes bad. like
2: chicken. <laughs> Maybe. Uh
3: yeah. I, I I want to know. Uh uh I want to know why I should like Gwen cuz mm. so far I really We're going to get there I think.
2: I think yep. we've got hints this I'm, week that we're going to f- get to.
3: Her father was enslaving children and she yeah. can't she can't make any better excuse than I was doing what I was told. Right. That, that's right. That's going right. to have and to get better.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely and I, I I'm sure that's going to happen. But speaking of that, stealing children, uh we have Rock who says, you know, doesn't know what to order from the replicator yeah. because she only has ever known one thing I which that means that nice. she has no but that means that she has been in this life from her tiniest you know her yeah. earliest memory she's never known anything but this
0: right mm-hmm. how
2: did she get there hmm. how was she raised you know to to be old enough to work in a mine i mean i think that's but also you know we we've We've gotten Medusan and we've gotten Tellarite, and we know that we don't know what uh, Dow's race is. We have not heard the word Bricar yet.
1: Mm -mm. No, we haven't. Which I think
2: is interesting. So, does she know what she is?
1: I don't know. Yeah, Hmm. that's a good point. Hmm. That's a very good point. And then something else that was pointed out on, I saw pointed out on Twitter that I didn't catch, uh, you know, that last week, Dal mentioned that constellation, the, the window of heaven or whatever he called it. Yeah. It's a, a Voyager reference that oh. um, in Body and Soul, when that alien captain was making the moves on the doctor in Seven of Nine's body, that that was like <laughs> a grouping of pulsars that he was showing her out the window, like in the sort of romantic scene.
2: Oh, so. I got your I got your group of pulsars right. Here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which I didn't I didn't pick up on that so I thought that was uh, no, a nice No, I, I would thought. never have remembered hmm. that. Yeah. Wow. I didn't
3: re- I didn't remember that and I saw that episode just last week.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow.
3: <laughs> Another thing that, that struck me is that uh, uh, despite the fact that Zero is telepathic Mm. Zero is going to have the same sort of relationship with Janeway as the other members of the crew because yep. Z- Zero can't read Janeway's mind. That's true. Janeway yeah, good doesn't, point. Doesn't have a mind to read. Uh so I I think that will that that will be interesting and it's a way mm. that, that it puts Zero on the same on the on a level playing field with the rest mm-hmm. of the crew vis a vis Janeway.
2: Yeah, that's Ag- a good yeah. point. Agreed. Okay, so uh this week uh, for our question of the week, a month or so ago, I asked for people to pitch us questions and, you know, as a way to uh, include some audience feedback. And we had a number of submissions. Um, most of them came from Bandy Beth. So this is our first opportunity to have the question of the week asked by the actual person who pitched it to us. So, Vandy Beth, what is our question of the week?
3: Our question of the week is... Um Well, it's not really a question, but it's uh, top five doors. What are our top five doors in Star Trek? (laughs) Because it occurs to me that Star Trek has always had interesting doors um, and or doors with a personality. Like Mm. uh, on The Next Generation, the door opens when the character gets close to it. Right. Unless a character is finishing a conversation with someone (laughs) in the room. Right. <laughs> In which case, the door waits for them to finish. Right. <laughs> They're smart I've doors. always
2: wondered about that too. Speaking of sentience. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah.
3: And of course, uh, for uh, the original series of that that um, low resolution, decrepit um, old blooper reel that was passed around conventions for twenty years. Right. Uh, 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 a big. Portion of the running time of that blooper reel is people <laughs> crashing into doors because the production assistant didn't open it, didn't pull the, <laughs> them apart quick enough right. for them. So, um, and then also you've got you got uh, the guardian of forever, which is a kind of door. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got the Iconian gateways, mm-hmm. which are another yep. kind of door. So, um, if you think about it, they've done some interesting things with doors in yep. Star Trek over the past fifty plus years. Uh, but my favorite doors in Star Trek have always been the doors on Deep Space Nine. Those big Cardassian gears mm. with the windows in them, because mm-hmm. they're just so ridiculously over over designed. Well, they, <laughs> they feel like a, like a big
1: airlock, like a big exactly. brutalist airlock. Like you feel like that yeah. thing is sealing when it closes. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know. Um,
2: but that, I mean, one of the first. I remember watching the first episode of. DS9 and just being blown away by those doors. <laughs> right. I was like, holy cow, that is the coolest door I have ever seen on Star Trek. So yeah, yeah I'm totally with you. That would that would be my number one. That I would rank yeah. that one at the top
1: of my list. Like you believe it's going to protect you from space.
2: Oh yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> like that thing is just, open.
2: Yeah, exactly. But it's just so cool.
1: Yeah. Cardassians,
3: the Cardassians cool. were preparing for space hurricanes <laughs> with those <laughs> <That's> doors. <right. laughs>
2: I also loved the doors to Cisco's office. Mm. It's a, a more mundane yeah. uh, answer than um, Iconian windows into whatever. But no. Um, Don't mock uh,
3: me. You're mocking me. <laughs> never.
2: <laughs> I will not never. be mocked. Charles, you've got to have some good doors.
1: I, I like the uh, the holodeck arch indoors. I, think I do that's a, and mm. they, they have that iconic sound that no other mm-hmm. doors make that, mm-hmm. you know, you always know when it's a holodeck door opening, right? They've got yep. that very distinctive, sort of like the interlock into each other, you know, yes, with a, I love that That little cutout. I think the holodeck doors are great. And yeah, yeah. It's like, you wouldn't want to see that appear. It's like, Oh crap. I'm in a holodeck. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
2: Um, I also this is a much simpler thing, but I also and, and it's more the use of the door than it is the door itself. But I really loved the glimpse of the door to Spock's cabin in Discovery season three or uh, two okay. when um, when Burnham is on the ship and she's about to go into his quarters to, you know, rifle through his stuff to see if she can figure out where he's gone to and what he knows about the red angel and just l- her stopping and looking at that door. It was such an iconic mm. moment. Mm. Oh, I loved it. Yeah.
3: And it, it, it just occurred to me, but if you think about it, the, the Bajoran wormhole itself oh. is another kind of door.
2: Mm. Oh, you you really yeah. think outside the box, yeah, or think beyond the door itself. <laughs> yeah, in,
1: in, in that vein, the Atavacron uh, on Sarpedon in um, all our yesterdays that right. zaps yeah. you into the past. I thought that was I like hmm. the way when you when you cross it, it just zaps you away. I thought that was mm-hmm. I thought that was a cool mm-hmm. use. But uh, as far as more mundane doors, uh, a, a couple of very recognizable doors, are the ten forward doors, uh, which were also, True. I believe, the the you know, the, the president's doors in Star Trek six. And I think even the, the doors leading into the, the mess hall on Voyager, I think those mm. those same yeah, probably reused doors. I think that same set was reused for all three of those. Locations. Oh yeah. But yeah, uh, mm-hmm. very distinctive. You know, when you see them, you know, them, they mm-hmm. have that sort of wood panel finish to them. Yes. Yeah. Classy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is the down to earth part of the enterprise, (laughs) (laughs) right? Wooden
2: doors. (laughs) Um, That's all I can think of.
1: Okay, well, that's that. That's a fun suggestion because I was, I was thinking about this today, and like, there's a lot of doors, you know. (laughs) 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 They go through them all the time. A a pair of doors (laughs) that I hated were the the weird what the hexagonal (laughs) doors on Prodigy. On the protostar instead of just having regular doors that slide open. They had those weird hatches that open. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I believe they had six sides, but uh, I, I hate, believe so. I hate that. Oh,
2: <laughs> I think they're kind of cool. looking.
1: OK, well, yeah, I don't yeah. like everything about the show. The doors I don't care for <laughs> <laughs> taking a stand. Today.
2: I bet you don't like the staircases either. <laughs> I don't mind the staircases. OK, I,
1: I think it's a waste of space, but <laughs> <laughs> Those staircases are like thirty percent of the ship that we've seen so far.
3: It is a big ship on the inside. I mean, it's the bridge is cavernous, the yeah. engine room is cavernous, the captain's cabin is uh, much larger than it needs to be.
2: Yeah. Um, well, you know, especially if the only thing other people get to sleep on are bunk
1: beds out. You know, <laughs> right. for, there's two <laughs> bedrooms, one for the captain and one for everybody else.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: Very strange. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and probably only one head for that matter.
2: Yeah, that's right. Well, exactly. Well, the
3: captain may have his own or her own. The
2: captain has their yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs>
3: the rest of the crew all lines up in the morning.
2: Yeah, they, they all share. <laughs> right. So for the crew, their least favorite door is the one that the captain gets to walk through to go to his or her own quarters. <laughs> right. In a resentful, fist shaking manner. <laughs> Fie upon thee
3: (laughs) There's never been a Starfleet Mutiny but they're really pushing it With this (laughs) ship design
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Thank you Vandy Beth for a great Question of the week Um, Mm -hmm. For anyone listening if you have a question that you would Like to pitch to us you can drop it On uh, our Facebook page You can message us through Facebook Or you can email us at Earthstationtrek at gmail.com and you can also use any of those methods to give us any other kind of feedback, you know, yeah. your favorite episodes that we've done so far or a topic that you would like to see us cover, or um, that's all I can think of.
1: <laughs> or what you thought of prodigy or, or just,
2: what you thought of. Yeah. That's another good thing.
1: Or how's your, how's your
2: day going? <laughs> oh, <that's> a, <laughs> yeah. Just, that would be really nice. Just, just let email. us know. Yeah.
3: I don't care how their days are going. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And I I have one last thing that I have to say Mm -hmm. before. Oh, no, actually, I'm going to save it for the for Veronica's uh, passing or parting thought.
1: Good, good. Since since I had to fill
2: in for her last week, I'm (laughs) going to have to do it this week too.
1: go ahead and come prepared every week. (laughs) Just in Mm, case. I can't
2: do that. (laughs) I can't do that.
1: Well, next week, you'll have to because Veronica and I will be absent. We'll have. um, I know. Oh we'll have a rotating crew over the next few weeks. So next week I'll be forced to watch Fiddler on the Roof instead of talking about Star Trek. So uh, there'll be some other voices, which is good. We get some other, other opportunities for people to talk on the show, but um, thank you, Vandy Beth for being here this week. I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun.
3: Oh, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it.
1: Where, where, where can people find more of you on the internet?
3: Uh, I'm on Twitter at red velvet cakes and uh, I'm, on, I'm on Facebook under my own name, Vandy Beth Glenn, and the most interesting thing I do there is uh, I'm uh, currently reviewing uh, every top 10 list from the Billboard Hot 100 for the 2000s, the decade of the 2000s. Wow.
2: And having said that, it's important to say that you have done this since the very beginning of January 1970. So no, I've I've only
3: been doing it for about a year.
2: Oh, I know, I know. (laughs) But the top 10s for this is the fourth decade of top Mm -hmm. 10s that you've done now. 70s, 80s, 90s, yeah, 2000s. So, you're going to do the 2010s?
3: Definitely not.
2: Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) I have found myself uh, paying less attention to the 2000s than I have the other previous decades. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah. But I've I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed you doing that. It's been such a fun exercise to follow along with.
3: It has been a lot of fun and I've enjoyed your contributions.
2: Well, where can people find more of you on the internet? Uh, You can find my publishing company at cosmicpress.com. K-O-Z-M-I-C press.com. And you can find me at Hulanta on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Awesome. And where, where can we find you? (laughs)
1: feltnerdy.com very well done that was pretty good Uh, it was veronica and i were just recently guests on the the latest episode of earth station who talking about the the first episode or first chapter of dr who flux the halloween apocalypse so if you're into dr who as well you want to hear and i talk about it check out the earth station who feed and and we're on there
2: i listened to that
1: episode oh great
2: it was it was enjoyable
1: oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) all right so do you have a closing for us alan
2: Um, yes, but I forgot what it is. (laughs) Hang on. Oh, 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 I remember. I remember. Okay.
1: It's just like she's here.
2: (laughs) I mean, I have to try and capture her spirit, when I do this. Okay. This, uh, this send off is strictly done in honor of Vandy Beth joining us for the first time on our show. Oh, goodness. You ready? Mm -hmm. Seed vault. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's it. Great. (laughs) Wow.
1: Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper.